Were you listening to the dude's story? I was bowling. So you have no frame of reference here, Donnie. You're like a child who wanders into Walter, the middle of a movie and wants what, to know... Walter, what's the point, man? There's no reason. Here's my point, dude. There's no fucking reason why these... Yeah, people... Walter, what's your point? Huh? Walter, what is the point? Look, we all know who is at fault here. What the fuck are you talking about? Huh? No, what the fuck are you... I'm not... We're talking about unchecked aggression here, What the dude. fuck is he talking my about? My rug. Forget look, it, Donnie. You're Walter, out of your element. Walter, the Chinaman who peed on my rug, I can't go give him a bill. So what the fuck are you talking about? What the fuck are you talking about? The Chinaman is not the issue here, dude. I'm talking about drawing a line in the sand, dude. Across this line, you do not. Also, dude, Chinaman is not the preferred nomenclature. Asian American, please. Walter, this isn't a guy who built the railroads here. This is a guy. What the fuck are you Walter, he peed on my rug. He peed on this. This is Gutterballs, the Lebowski Deepcast. Like, oh, it's a heist movie. No, it's a stoner movie. In each episode, Brad and Adam discuss a single minute of The Big Lebowski. Stoner bowling movie, period piece, western. Providing insight. Why is the half and half everywhere? It was open. Commentary. Got my half and half in the bowling ball. I'm going home. And conjecture. Did they have bowling in the Old West? That's one for the canon of the history of film. And now, Gutterballs. Minute nine. Yes. Minute, minute nine. Minute nine. Is a really awesome minute. Do it you is know? so cool <laughs> do you know why i'm so excited for this minute i have an idea as to why but let's but lay it on well, me. let's hear well, let's see what your idea is. let's see if let's see what your idea is or do, so, should i say my minute my my minute my idea how do you want to work it we could either it, okay or do we go at the same time like on three we'll try to like time it this always works <laughs> out great what could possibly go wrong it was same time, same time. One, two, three. We have all three of them shot, at the same and time. Three and it's one, one shot. shot. It goes on and on. Yes. <laughs> yes. I'll delete. Yes. I wasn't even going to spoil the one shotness. I was going to save that for like, you know, 50 yeah. minutes into the thing. But, but Well, that's what's so, I'm going to say... Not necessarily like fascinating from a cine- cinematographic or editing standpoint, but more no. interesting just in the sense of this little journey we've been on because all these other minutes we've done have been like full of like, you know, multiple shots, you know, crazy angles, you know, we've had to like speculate about how they did some of it. This is just it's just a shot. It's one right? shot. And, and the shot started last minute, and it keeps, in the next minute, it's going to keep going. I mean... Through the entire minute. Yeah. We can't break down the editing, and no. oh, it's just it's just that. So that that's kind of... So this minute is awesome, and it's kind of scary to me, I think. Well, right, because it's something we haven't encountered before, so it's like exactly. new and refreshing, and like, oh, like, it's all character-driven. Like, it's the first time we see all three of them together interacting you know their little triumvirate there, but also yeah, there's we can't talk about camera movements. We can't talk about lighting tricks. We can't talk right. about 
yeah, like you said, yeah, we may be able to talk briefly about some of that stuff, but overall, yes. I mean, and I think it's it's good in a way because so far we've focused a lot on this this maybe technical aspect like and a lot of like the minutia and, yeah, of stuff right. in the background. You know? Trying as hard as we can to destroy the facade of the movie. Right. Well, but I now I think me, but... we've gotten to the point where we just have to, you know, roll our sleeves and be like, okay, like, what is this movie really about and what's going on here? And we it's... need to do, like you said, talk a lot more about character development and what's being revealed here. And there's a know, lot. Below the surface here with this dialogue, with this acting, with these <laughs> costumes. <laughs> it, there's a lot, too. And I, yeah, it's good. Yeah. So, so I, I will. So after just talking about how we're not going to talk about maybe technical <laughs> notes, I'm going to make okay. one small. It's a quasi-technical note. Not okay. super technical, but I did never really keyed up on this until I put my headphones in to, to re-watch this minute multiple times, prepare for this Does it involve uh, music? Yes. And how it goes away halfway through this minute. Okay, I did not notice that. Yes. I was most more in the beginning. I, I never even noticed the music was really like there. La, 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 la. Yeah, it's, it's still the same going on. Thing. It's so faint. Like, I so think it faint. normal, like, if you're not really, like, again, until I put my headphones in, I never made note of it. Like, well, oh, know. yeah, Bob Dylan song, it's still going. It's still in the background. Like, that's actually, you know, within the realm of the character. That's just, like, what they're playing over the uh, sound system there at the bowling alley, is how it appears to me. Right. It's not just soundtrack to the movie. It's, it's, it's diegetic, is the diegetic. term. Diegetic. You know, it's uh, it's motivated. It's in the bowling alley now. But on top of that, I, I want to say by eight minutes and 30 seconds, th it's real subtle. It takes 30 seconds, but they fade it out until it's just gone now. And even the, the bowling sounds, they're, they're pretty, you know, up front for that whole credit. You know, credit montage, the opening credit montage, mm -hmm. up until Donnie, you know, rolls his strike. Even the bowling sounds kind of fade out into the background. They're kind of yeah. still there, but it's like now we just want to hear what these three individuals are talking about. So everything kind of, because it's not important now. It was important, now it's not. So we get rid of it or make it very, very faint. Right. And it's a long, like you said, it's a long 30-second process. Yeah, it's a 30-second process. Because you can't just, you know, do a five-second, it's there, now it's not there. That would be jarring. But, you know, another again, until the deep dive, not something I, I ever would have cued on because we're just so intent on, like, Walter is so aggressive and, like, in your face during this that you're not really focused on, like... The background stuff. He, he's right. just right in, right in there. So, yeah. There you go. Uh, do, do you want to? We should probably talk about Donnie. Uh, this I feel like this is going to be a very, again, character-driven episode. So, Donnie brings us into the scene. So we should probably key on in on him. To start with, I guess. Sure. Um, market, dude. He's so excited. We touched on this last episode. He's so excited. He just, you know, struck out. You know, he hit a home run. He grand slammed there. All the pins are down. 
and nobody's even paying attention. So he brings us into this little world here at the, uh, we've all been there by the little scoring table. And you know, dude's still putting his shoes on. Walter and he are having his, their little discussion. And he, he has to mark the score down himself. It's just another sad little mini chapter in Donnie's right. journey, you know? Yeah. It, he he, he already, ends I mean, up marking the score himself. Yeah. I mean, it's about to become pretty obvious, right? The way he's, he's regarded right. by these other two. Maybe not regarded, right, but the way he's treated. Treated. How he's treated. Yes. Because they love and him. Like, they both love him very much, but they just they don't treat him with any regard. The dude, you know, the dude makes his attempts, like his half-hearted attempts to engage Donnie and like have a dialogue, but Walter just dominates it all and basically hijacks any sort of interaction or conversation that Donnie tries to get involved with. Right. It's just sad for the guy, you know? But, I mean, Donnie at the same time is like not, you know, he's, he's you know, into the fray here, but he's throwing the whole, you know... I guess, you know, what, what Donnie is just... He's just kind of out of sync a little bit, right? Like, because the he dude is. is like, Walter, what the fuck are you talking about? And Walter goes, what the fuck? What, what do you mean? What the fuck? And he goes on, and then Donnie's like, yeah, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, it's it's too late. Walter's already moved on, and now Walter's just even more angry. Um... Well, yeah, Donnie's got a different what the fuck are you talking about than either the dude or Walter, though. That's the thing. Like, his what the fuck are you talking about is a completely, like, different what the fuck are you talking about. I don't think it's aligned with either the dude's or Walter's what the fuck are you talking about. And here's why I say that. So, think critically now, realistically, about mm-hmm. having someone in your life similar to Walter. Now, maybe we all have... I can do that. Yeah, maybe we all have people... I think we all have our Walter. We all have our Walter. Now, but I asked you to think realistically, like critically about it. Now, do you have someone... I I can't resist skipping ahead. Do you have someone who would wrap an Uzi in brown wrapping paper and fire it out spinning around on a road? I have someone who would... Maybe a fake Uzi. Someone who would like to believe they would do that. Right. Sure. <laughs> I mean, someone who, well, without a doubt, Walter is, you know, it's the cinema. He's turned up a notch. He's, um, he's turned up. But he's also a Vietnam vet who's clearly unstable. So Yes. I, I, I don't have anyone in my life. Like, he, he's turned up a notch because it's fiction and a Vietnam vet, and he is... You know, poised as this force acting on the dude, as this, you know, as we compare the dude to H.W. and Walter as a hawk, you know, this military influence on him. The dude just kind of, okay, whatever. I, I don't have anyone in my life really that approaches that level of insanity. The dude. Now, do I like to think I have people in my life that are like the dude? Yes, of course I do. But do I really? Someone who has no job, who all they do is sit in their apartment and smoke weed and bowl and drink white Russians. That's it. 
That's all they do. I really like well, have friends I hang mm-hmm. out with that are like that. Right. I mean, the dude makes it seem also awesome and glamorous, but in real life, you've probably cut right. people like that out of your life long it's like, ago. I, yeah, I know there are people I should hang out with and people I should not. Ha- they go into the latter category. So you just don't. Like, again, notched up two levels. Walter, one, but two levels because he's the protagonist. He's, like, even crazier. Now you have Donnie. He's just, like, uh, like works in an office in the burgeoning IT industry, probably. You know? But he just really likes to, to bowl. Like, maybe... You know, maybe he just made, did, like, fiscally responsible, you know, he, so he went to community college for, for two years and then went on to, like, MIT or whatever and, like, has, uh, you know, has a degree and, you know, he can set up your email. Whoa, email? What's that? You know, like, you get the sense that Donnie is a legitimate citizen, like someone you could hang out with, maybe a coworker. Who, who you see. Now, I have Donnie's in my life. I have a plethora of Donnie's in my life. But, you know, Donnie has somehow hooked up with one or the other of these guys. Maybe the dude, again, the dude went to community college because, uh, you know, that was all he could get into, man. Donnie did it because he was responsible. The dude did it just because whatever. He went to one semester, half a semester, and dropped out. However they hooked up, he just enjoys hanging out with them because they're they're my crazy bowling friends, and I get together once or twice a week and bowl with them. All I'm saying is, you know, we had we talked about how you you put yourself in the protagonist's shoes, and that would be the dude. But really, you and I, we're Donnie. That's all. We're Donnie, man. Sure. I, I could see that. I he's mean, the most more... normal one, and that's why he's cut yeah. out of all these conversations and trying to, like, so confused as to, like, unchecked aggression, lines in sand, Chinaman peeing on... Like, what is... What kind of... He's trying to keep up, but he's just too normal. He's just too normal. Yeah. Well, the dude and Walter are, in a lot of ways, like, just opposites, Right. The dude, Mr. Anger and Mr. Zen. Yeah, ex hippie, pot smoker, protested the war. Right. <laughs> the you know. Seattle Seven. Seattle exactly. Uh, Walter, Vietnam vet, very hawkish. You know, into defense and guns and lines and sand. Donnie doesn't even like exist on that, like. He just isn't even on that axis. Like, he's just, like, in a different dimension. He's a different layer altogether. That's what I'm saying. It's like a shark. It's like, you know, like a shark and a tiger. Like, they just don't meet. They can't connect (laughs) at all. Right? So you have on... So you have have this... Yeah, you have this this dude... He has Walter no, he, connection, but he's just not even into. In he there. literally, like Walter is right. He literally has no frame of reference to anything they're talking about. Like he's right, Walter, when he when he do, he's, you know, kind of mean and brutal about it. But he's correct. You know, Donnie really does have no frame of reference here. He can't possibly comprehend like going out on a vigilante, like throwing a bag full of a million dollars and like oozing, and I'm gonna. track somebody down and beat the information out like he can't that just seems like a story 
But that's the reality for the dude and Walter. So yeah, he had he has no frame of just, But I, you know, poor Donnie. But I think he's having a good time for the most part. Like, yeah. then he goes back to the office and tells these like, he doesn't even tell all of the story, but he tells stories about, you know, his bowling nights to his coworkers, his, you know, shirt and pocket protector tie wearing office co-workers and they just don't believe him he's probably the cool like the awesome one in the office in his world he's you know his hair's a little long he bowls See, i i don't i don't i don't think that's true well what i don't think he goes to the office and i think donnie is fundamentally alone the only at the same time i'm talking about at not, work though like not well, even at work i think he's isolated even with the dude, I don't know, maybe, I don't even know why I guess I would say this. Just It just seems to me that's his deal, right? He's isolated. Well, He's still somehow isolated from Walter and the dude. And those are his two best friends, I now, would think. So They're his connection to the rest of the world, even. You make a good point, because, another spoiler alert, but... When his ashes are committed to the bosom of the Pacific Ocean, it is his two bowling buddies that do it. They're the only ones there. So, I see your point. But that doesn't change the fact that he does exist in a completely different sphere. It's like a Venn diagram where the two circles overlap, but they don't overlap. It's like the the two lines just barely touch. Like, there's just like one pixel worth of touching there. And that pixel, I guess, is bowling. I suppose. Yeah. Well, it's like, you know, if there was like a, you know, yin and yang or something. Like, you know, it's like you could say like, you know, the dude is a circle. Walter is a square. But Donnie is um, brick face. Like it doesn't even <laughs> compute. Right. Does not, does not compute. Or, you know, it doesn't even have to be that abstract, but going back to Venn diagram, like, the dude and Walter, they're opposites. So maybe it's the dude and Walter who who are the two circles with the, like, one pixel, or maybe a little bit more than one pixel, because they, they're both up for a certain level of chicanery, you know? They, they go out on these bizarro missions, wreaking havoc all over town. So they have a little overlap, but then Donnie is beneath them, another circle, with one pixel touching each of them. Because as we go through the movie, there's times when Donnie is siding more with the dude, and sometimes when he's siding more with Walter. Like when the dude is so pissed off at the bar, and this is in a future minute, but you know, Walter's like, well, I can see you don't want to be cheered up. Come on, Donnie, let's go get Elaine. Like they go off and leave him. So like he's got alliances with both of them, I suppose. Yeah, I think so. But at the same time, I think Donnie is just very malleable. He just kind of goes along. Another time, Like, the dude could have did the same thing. Like, you know, oh, I can see you don't want to cheer up. Come on, Donnie, let's get a lane. And Donnie gets up, and he could be like, oh, totally. Donnie, sit down. And he'd be like, okay. Like, Donnie would sit <laughs> down then. Right? That's just how I pictured Donnie being. Whatever the last thing he heard. Exactly. Now, here's one for you. I'll just put it out there. We we see Donnie Bull. 
He threw a strike the first time we see him bowling. Woo, throwing rocks tonight. Mark it, dude. Later on in the movie, we see Walter bowl. He's very, that's very quiet, and he rolls one right down the, do we ever see the dude throw, throw a bullet, project a bowling ball down the, the, um, the wooden road towards the, the, uh, the, uh, pin, pin city, the pin, pin skyscrapers. Do we ever see that happen? Does he ever do that? I do not know the answer to that. I'm going to say no. I cannot picture it. I'm willing to say no. I don't think it's so. something we'll have to keep an eye out for as we continue. We'll make, you know, a virtual note of that and forget about it. But I don't think he does. I don't think he does. Which is odd because, as we talked about in a previous episode, it like there was even talk of the song being Takes a Woman Like You and maybe that woman being bowling. It's the only thing he cares about ostensibly besides maybe his rug and yet we never see him bowl conscious choice or did it just not his screen time was too valuable to waste on like bowling I would like to see his moves you know like how he does he kick the foot out you know does he have it curving all in you know what what kind of does he go way down? Like, how does he... I, I would appreciate knowing that. But I don't think he does. But maybe ultimately it's just not important. Yeah. Bowling is just... I don't know what it is. It's just a thing. It's an a, excuse. A diversion from... It's a symbol, but I mean, yeah, like what... <clears throat> I mean, there's a significance in that. It's the I mean, most horrible thing in his life. I mean, in the movie, you know, I think, to its credit, never really gets too deep into the mechanics of the bowling. The mechanics. Explain. Like, it gets into the details of... Oh, like, we're on this frame, and now he's going to have to roll a ball, and who's going to win the match, and anything like that. Right. Like, the bowling sure. alley is a setting. It's a venue. But the bowling is never the story. No, and it doesn't have think. to be the story, but, like, we, we do see Donnie bowl, and we do see Walter bowl. We see Jesus bowl. We see a lot of people bowl. We do see the dude laying on the new rug with the headphones. Listening, listening to, to bowling. bowling. We showing see, his passion. Yeah, we see him stretching, getting ready for bowling in the next minute. But we never actually see him roll the ball down the, the uh, you know, the plank highway. I'm running out of terms to refer to the, the fake wood facade that is the, the, That's no fake the runway. Wood, man. Oh, you That's think it's genuine? Tree? What kind of wood is that? Tree. It's pieces well, that of trees. I can't say. You think it's pieces of trees down there? I think so. You don't think? Well, in 1991, but they probably have some sort of synthetic something or other now, wouldn't you say? 
I don't know. I would imagine a bowling alley has very precise requirements in terms of mechanics have to be just so. Yeah, the the you know the 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 density of the floor and the 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 flexibility and everything else. I could be way off, but it's probably that oak. My guess. It's probably oak. It's got to be hard. Take all that abuse. Oak's a hard wood. Anyway, the dude never bowls, so what does that tell us? Absolutely nothing. We're making great progress here. So, Walter, we've not gotten into him. He wears yellow glasses. Yes. I love the yellow glasses. There's something about Walter. So you asked before, like... Do we have a Walter in our lives? Like it just seems Walter just seems like he's just like yes, he's a type of person, perhaps a stereotype, but it seems like a stereotype that's not like acknowledged, right? You, you see Walter, and I think like, oh, I'm not the only one that like has noticed there's people like this in the world mm-hmm. that wear like their short, stiff hair and yellow tinted glasses and vest with pockets full of all kinds of different uh, items and tools and right. guns and whatnot, like Shells, roaming around. Yeah, firearms. Right. Yeah. Like, the one thing I'll say with Walter, which maybe where they put him, you know, with his, his outfit here, where they go a little overboard, but it's awesome, you know, is his, his high black socks. Yes. With, with his, his shorts. Yeah, coming up but that could also be boots. kind of more of a maybe an L.A. thing, since shorts are more... Maybe more in style there than they are in the Arctic, Pennsylvania. I don't think there's anything about Walter's attire that screams in style. Even for 1991, I think he's just, you know, prepared. Like, the shorts are just to stay a little cooler because it's probably still warm. If it is, you know, early September in L.A., it's probably, you know, still fairly warm. It's just... Utilitarian. Okay, I gotta stay warm. Like it's practical. Got the pockets. Got my shells. Got my firearms. Got my utility knife. Got my matches. My lighter. My magnesium stick that I can scrape some off and start a fire whenever I need to. I got a hook. I got some fishing line. I got a little uh, twig. I like pieces of twigs. I can assemble into a little rod and cast out into the ocean and catch a little fish and eat it. You know, I can make some little snares along some game trails and trap a fox by its neck and then skin it i got you know it's some sort of skinning tool like that it's just filled like you said with all of these items like walter basically is someone you you just don't want to fuck with you don't want to like no look him in the eye too long you just if you see him okay look the just kind of look sorted down in a way and just walk past him just don't you don't want to interact too much with the man or you could be friends with him, maybe. Well, unless you're friends with him, but and then you sort of like, like... You know, if you're an other weird, misfit, wayward soul, like the dude in Donnie, right? Maybe right. you befriend him in some kind of strange way. But Knowing then, that you have to like, keep you know, him you at gotta bay. You've got to be careful. Right, yeah. you keep him at bay to a certain degree. like To a certain degree, you know, one day it could end badly. Right, there are lines. You do not cross. Yeah, you just got to keep him... Keep him at bay. But so the yellow glasses, do you know what those are? Uh, no. We're 
revealing right now the utter failing of our inner manliness, but I'm okay with that. Those are shooting glasses. The firing the glasses you wear in the firing range if you're if you're firing weapons. So the, the yellow is a form of polarization. But he's obviously got prescription firing glasses that he just wears all the time in case he's got to do some shooting. In case I gotta fire off my my pistol. I'm gonna have my prescription shooting glasses on. That's what those are. That's what in the the yellow is. I'm not sure exactly like what the yellow filters out, but it, it is a sort of polarization. But it, it aids in the in the uh, in the aiming in the, in the aiming yes. process. Filters out some sunlight, makes things sharper, clearer. Maybe it does something with the greens or something because Vietnam was full of foliage, you know, and he's right. got to filter out the greens and. That's f fabulous. <laughs> That's what those are, and he wears them all the time. They are fabulous. I'm getting a pair. I'm sure you can order them. And if Without not, I'm just going to manufacture them. <laughs> but I, because I, you know, I had a pair of um, polarized sunglasses that I would use for fishing. And I still have, like, I got a new pair. They broke, so that sucked. But they, they tinted the world such a beautiful, like, color. Like, it's such an amber color that I just love to look at. That I would wear them whenever I could, but yeah. I, they weren't prescription. I had to wear them over my normal glasses. So right. I look like uh, like Paul Newman in The well, Color of Money. Were those, like, blue blockers? Remember um, blue blockers? Excuse me? You don't remember the blue blockers? <laughs> What kind of podcast is this? <laughs> I don't know that. What is that? That's the... Um, they were popular. Blue blockers? Yeah, they were popular in like the early 90s. I'm going to guess... Perfect. Early to mid 90s. They were like um, sunglasses. You could see them like, you know, as seen on TV kind of a thing, right? There'd be infomercials. They were just like these big... As seen on 21 Sun Jump Street. Exactly. Well, big, big sunglasses. Just plastic, kind of like thick plastic. And it had the yellow lenses to polarize it. Like, like the same thing you're talking about. This amber thing that's make, oh, you know, way better, you know, blocks the whatever. The, the whatever light you want blocked unless the light you want in in. But they were big. And you could like, they were like, they would almost like cover your whole it wasn't just like in front of your eyes it would go around the sides too so you were just like well, yeah. locked in it's yeah it's similar i feel like brad pitt wore those in a movie one time i don't know but these were like yeah there was like commercials i remember there's like a guy on the boardwalk rapping about how he loved his blue blockers <laughs> in the infomercial and he did uh but anyway blue block. i had a pair of those so the yellow blocks the blue i guess so Yes, it blocks so, that blue out. You don't want so, the blue. Yeah, the sky is too much. So too, too much mu bright blue yes. sky. Too Jake. much sky blocks it out. Um, oh. I've ha I've seen, and I think they maybe you know, and again, got to stay like, grounded. Oh, Nineteen ninety-five kind of thing. I've seen them like maybe resurrect. I don't know if it's the same technology in the lenses, but maybe you know, like five years ago or so. 
you know, HD TV was like is like really big, right? It's the big thing. They had the eight the HD glasses. Have you seen those? HD glasses. Yes, it's this. They look like blue blockers, more or less. Maybe it's the same thing, just rebranded. Not 3D glasses. No, no, no. HD. They they're in essence again. Uh, you know, I make no claims to the the validity, <laughs> right? And I'm annoying endorsing this, but it was the same thing. There were there were commercials, infomercials. You go into Rite Aid, and at the as seen on TV aisle, there's like, oh, there's these HD glasses. It turns your regular SD television into HD. No, it just turns the world into HD. Enjoy the beautiful clarity of HD television. You need to stop. When you're not even stop. looking at television. You need to stop. It's ridiculous. What are you talking about? Like you're going out to the park? Sometimes you Put just these say on things so you can see believe. the park in beautiful HD. <laughs> well, the universe is pixelated, man. You know that, right? On some level. Because you can't... You get down to the quantum level, and, you know, that's the reason why those particles don't have a position. You, you don't... They well, you don't even need to get it. into that. There's, like, well, the wavelengths of light, right? That's there, yeah, really... Yeah, there's a, there's a resolution to it. A, a yeah. resolution limit. Makes, but what, what do HD glasses make the park into that you don't experience with your regular... Well, you know how... I don't... So I've never owned a pair of HD glasses, I can't say. But you know how you go to the store, right? You'll go to Best Buy or... Sugarman's, if you will. I well, I I know about going to half of those places. Yes, and it'll show. Oh, look, this is the normal TV, and look, well, you're the shit you're watching now. Then, like, whoosh, they do the wipe halfway across. But this is what it could look like, right? Look, you can see all the de- oh, all the. It's just before this looked like kind of like a cruise boat. Now I can see each individual person waving. Oh, it was the same kind of thing. Like, here's the park. Put on the glasses. Ooh. It's all detailed and shiny, and it looks amazing. What's the technology? And it's probably not that them. different from what you're talking about, right? You said how your fishing glasses made everything look really cool and nice, and a nice color. Right? It's probably yeah, a similar I just thing. Liked the way it looked, but you know what? Come to think of it, though, like if maybe I, it reduces glare, so things look a little more. Well, detailed. yeah, it reduces glare, so there's not that sort of shiny haze. But you're not always looking into the sun, so. Or like things aren't always reflecting harshly into your eyes. But what I did notice was I wear them when I drive. So it's a better experience driving. You know, this car's sun glinting off of hoods. Stop. Stop it. I can't look at your face, man. Have you not learned your lesson? And you you want to protect your eyes from all of the aggressive, yeah, wavelengths. So you wear that, especially in winter, because that's how you, like snow blindness, you know, the, the sun is bright, the sky is bright, there's snow on the ground, the snow is bright. That's how you go snow blind, because everything's reflecting right into your eyes. So the, to prevent that, you wear these goggles, like Eskimos would wear goggles, but they were just wood. Yes. And there's a tiny slit. That's all they were. It's just, here's a slit yes. you look through. Yes. All it does I've is, seen is those. reduce the amount of light hitting your eyes so you don't go temporarily blind or permanently blind. To yeah. a lesser degree, my stupid fishing sunglasses, I would wear them especially in winter because it was so bright. 
But then when springtime rolled around, the grass started sprouting, the buds on the trees came out, everything started turning green, and I would drive down my street with all this greenness around, and I remember this happened a couple of times, remarking to everyone in the car, like, do you see this? Do you see this everywhere? Wow, look around, look around at it. Do you see it? And they're like, what? The greenness. And when I took them off, I was like, oh, it's just like the grass is starting to come up and like there's a couple, it just didn't look like anything, right. but you wore these amber glasses and it was like a whole new like Soylent Green-esque world out there. It was like seeing the world in HD. I don't I, I guess so. I guess I hate You laugh. I but hate now it. You realize it's true. I hate being taken in by it but I think I was unwittingly. <sighs> so Walter besides existing in a completely different world than the rest of us exists in a completely different world than us, visually. That, that only enhances right. his uh, otherworldliness. He's his, seeing everything his, in HD. In well. HD, before it's Way time. before HD ever even yeah. came out. 15 years before it was around. He was seeing Donnie the Dude in Blu-ray, in essence. That's why he's he had Way so much then. clarity, you know? He's trying yeah. to... And it's very frustrating to him to try to well, explain these concepts to them like they're children. You know, Donnie, you're like a child who wanders into a movie because it's so everything's so clear to him. Yeah. Well, and despite his somewhat unhingedness, <laughs> he is maybe the most capable, the most mature out of anyone there, at least he, outwardly. Like, I mean, he has to take care of a dog. He has a ex-wife he has a van he's the only one that can drive around he has a uh, theoretically, theoretically he has a his job. own business he's the one who can pay for the damn you know funeral expenses yeah. yeah you know right right so in this scene we have a lot of kind of crosstalk a little bit of the whole like oh repeat phrase back and forth we'll call it sorkinisms kind of yeah, I you know, like a mam mamidism, and you know sure. generally I hate that crap, but I mean here it's not really bad. It works. It actually works really well here, and you know obviously we're entering we into the movie here. We're entering into this dialogue. I mean we need this kind of tension. Everyone's kind of on edge, yelling at each other. Walter, what the fuck are you talking about? And Walter's like, what? Well, think of me. I mean, if you just got your head, like two people broke into your apartment and like dunked your head in your toilet and almost drowned you and then pissed inside your house, like, yeah, this would be an emotional time. This would definitely be an emotional time. Yeah, so everybody's on edge. Walter's like, he takes that kind of crap very personally. Right. You know, these are and people... I mean, yeah, and you need that, you know, to draw the, the audience in. Yeah, right. At the same time, to make a, a dramatic film. That's a need, trap you... a lot of people, not a lot of people, a lot of movies fall into. You know, it's, you have maybe great circumstances, um, maybe great characters, but, like, it, nobody takes any action, nobody does anything, like, everybody drifts about, which... To me, it was like, 
a real concern with this movie, especially since we open with the definition of drifting and the tumbleweed, but Walter is so necessary in that regard because without him, nothing escalates. Right. And even though there is the tension here, Walter kind of takes the little break there, right, with the whole... Well, because he's talking about unchecked aggression and his own aggression is starting to rise, like, to a precipitous degree. He's getting really... Somebody came and, like, inflicted some harm on his buddy. So he watched buddies die face down in the muck. He's not going to take it. You know, he's getting more and more pissed off. But the thing he's so pissed off about is the unchecked aggression of the aggressors. So he backs off for a moment, saying, just to collect himself. So that, again, he can explain what he's talking about to them in, in... calmer in a calmer tone i guess but you know if well, you're ta- that, so i'm talking about the chinaman comment oh okay well and all right there's I'm yes not, i'm talking about a different moment than that okay but we can talk does about does that happen that. in this minute it does it does where he gets calm i know the chinaman does yeah it, but, it, it's you know, befo- this line right here no further oh and dude Chinaman is not the preferred nomenclature. Asian Asian American, please. please. Which is... Which, that is more like... That's more like... Reflective of his, like, Jewishness. Because, again, spoiler alert, but... We realize that he's Jewish by marriage. So the dude gives him a hard time about that. So that's kind of like him being... You know, oh, I may be... I may love guns, but I'm very politically correct and sensitive to other people. But he's not, you know? But he likes to, he has to like put on that facade to a degree to like make nice with his ex-wife a lot, probably. So it's like something that's ingrained in him. Like he's, he's become accustomed to having to put that facade on, even though it's, it's not, that's not him by nature, I don't think someone who's sensitive to, you know, other sniveling people like Smokey. He's a pacifist. He doesn't care, you know. Right. He has emotional problems. <laughs> you mean besides what, you mean pacifism? pacifism? <laughs> <laughs> He's a conscientious objector. But where were you going with the um, Walter business there? Well, I just think... Do you just mean overall, or? Well, yeah. I mean, I'm just you know curious and just studying this guy, figuring out what makes him tick. I mean, I think, I think the whole Asian American comment is partly you know it works in the scene, it works with the pacing, it diffuses some tension. It's kind of a laugh line because here you have this kind of crazy guy who's yelling one second and then he's calm and making this kind of political correct statement, which also. The whole Vietnam vet thing, you know, that's not necessarily, you know, you know, it's kind of a different, it's mixing stereotypes there. Well, yeah, and like... The hawkish fellow then being, you know, going politically correct. Right, but like mere seconds after he said, the Chinaman is not the issue, you know, it's like, 
But you just used it so flippantly. Like, you used that derogatory, hurtful term so flippantly without really giving it a thought. And it's like eight seconds later into your tirade, you're like, oh, wait, 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 wait. Yeah, yeah no, that, that was bad. I know that's bad. Right. Well, part of it is also, I mean, it's just into this uh, cycle of this, you know, recycling the words and the dialogue, you yes. know, both in this scene and then throughout the just movie. Just throughout the movie, right. And then Spirating, maybe there is something to the fact of, yeah, how it spirals kind of on its own accord and it even takes Walter a second to, like, back up and be like, well, wait a minute. That's not the... What am I even saying here? I'm just repeating this nomenclature that's well, being used about me. That's and that's all I do. I I just ninety percent of the words I use in everyday life are just words I heard in movies. Like that's most of my conversations with anyone. I just use like arbitrary and sort of like abstract like little-known phrases or, or even well-known phrases from movies like the, and then I just mash them together into uh, what I can assume is my own thought but it's really not my own thought like everything I say I swear is just a quote from a movie or like pieces of two quotes that I put together right uh, or just using a word you or know just what a I mean? word like when it's yeah. sentence you you're gonna use a word you're gonna say nomenclature but even as you're saying nomenclature, what is nomenclature that as a word to you? Well, <laughs> it's a word that Walter used. Right. Not that's its significance overall it, over anything else. It's a struggle almost. to not use preferred in front of the word nomenclature. <laughs> right. I have to like find a way to use it without preferred nomenclature. Well, once you say preferred nomenclature, it's all over. It's <laughs> just like, okay. Right. I know. I know. I've just been exposed as the Lebowski quoting charlatan. Been outed. With no original capacity for language. But it, that happens, like, that happened actually in probably 1986. The first movie that that happened with was Back to the Future, where, you know, I just, everything I said was a line from Back to the Future, because you could pretty much find... You know, any scenario you might encounter in real life, there's there's a phrase or a word from Back to the Future you could use in that scenario. So that was mostly the first time Doc or, or Marty. Um, maybe both. No, it was it was all three of them. It was um, uh, George, George, Doc, and Marty. George had right. some good ones, some <laughs> real good ones. Darth Vader told me come down from the planet Vulcan and melt my brain. So I'd use like, man, that really melted my brain. You know, it's like then I would just say melted my brain all the time. Well, that wasn't my idea, you know. It's heavy. It's heavy. It's heavy. Yeah. Lorraine. Do you really think I ought to swear? Density. Yeah, you're my density. I have no original thought. That's that's the point of this. Which, that's kind of genius because they don't. This is not. Like, right out front in this movie. Like, you realize that the dude, especially, is sparroting these things. This aggression will not stand, and parlance of our times, and all this, but... I, I, it's happening more than that, I think. And it's just saying that there is... I guess there is no, no originality anymore. 
it's that old film thing where, you know, you're you're not going to make an original movie. There's not really such a thing as an original story or original movie anymore. All stories have no. been told. You know, there's varying opinions. What are there, 17 different stories? Or right. some people say there's four different stories. They've all been told. Just do it in a fun way, I guess. Yeah. Well, I mean, and you can't, if you came out with something completely new, no one would be able to understand it. There'd be no frame of reference. Well, I mean, right. what you need to do is take the context of what exists, take the things people know, but then add one new element. Or take what there is, but change it slightly, right? Switch it Paint one it degree off its axis. a slightly different color. Yeah. And that's exactly. it, right? And that, and then when you do that, though, that's, yeah, exactly. That's your million like, wow. dollar idea Look at right that. there. Look at that. It, uh, it's like seeing the park in HD, man. Well, the dude wears his bowling shoes with no socks. He doesn't put socks on. That is so disgusting. I hate that. It's disgusting. Even if I hate so, it. so we don't know if these shoes are rentals or not. I think we talked about that briefly, maybe. Last you assume time. they're. You assume at this point he's got his own shoes. They seem. But even if they are beautiful. his own shoes, I but still I think care. wearing shoes like that is disgusting. still just gross without socks. Because they're really like 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 planks with laces, like yeah, like a, like. A but you're just gonna keep putting your foot. In Ugh, and out of there every just day. In and out, like sweating in it every day. It's just in there. What do your feet smell like at this point? You're not a clean man. Even a clean person, if they did that, that would be rank. We wouldn't be clean for very long. No. Ugh. But he does reach in and pull a little hair clip out for his hair. He I mean, keeps... I love that. I mean, again. That's like it's the emergency the, hair clip. Yeah. Well, I don't think it's emergency. I think it's a standard style. It's like, you all think right, it's just I'm in going. There? I need to bowl. He learned long ago that with his hair, it was problems. He needs a clip. Oh, look, here's a clip. <laughs> this, he happened upon this clip somewhere, and this is what he uses. Right? He's not a man of great means. He, he can't choose his clip. Well, he, you know, maybe that was a moment where he purchased and like okay I, this hair will not stand i need to get it out of my face maybe he went and spent the dollar 29 to get this clip one time he keeps it and i'm gonna keep it in my bowling bag maybe he did well you think he found it on the floor out in Probably. the parking lot or something or it could have been in like, like from the hardware store mother's house <laughs> right, he stole or it from his mother who knows where right a flea market it was a nickel at a garage sale. So, what I'm talking about with um, where Walter sort of like starts to escalate and then brings himself back, the dude says, we all know who is at fault here, so what the fuck are you talking about? And Walter's like, no, what the fuck are you? I'm not. And he's like, he realizes like he's getting all tight and angry. Right. And like the words aren't coming out, like he's just starting to. So he takes a moment and like, then delivers his unchecked aggression. We're talking about See, he, t he takes a moment there, whew, breathes. We're talking about unchecked aggression. And you know, this is like, Walter's got a, maybe more than a few, but I was going to say a few moments of like prescience in this movie, and this is one of them. You know, 
because it is unchecked aggression. Like, the dude didn't deserve this. They just literally came into his house, wrong person's house and peed on his rug. Like, he's correct. Walter is correct here. It's hard to understand, especially for Donnie. Like, if you look at Donnie trying to figure this out, he's not having a good time. But and as it, soon as Walter delivers the line in the sand, watch the dude, like, because he knows where it's going. It's going towards Vietnam. And he has this, like, right. as he's coming back over, he's like, oh, Lord, Vietnam again. You know, just just a little hint. Just a little hint at what Who Walter has that is. hint now? Are you saying Donnie? The dude. Oh, the, no, dude the dude does, right. Now, Well, there is the the Vietnam aspect. I mean, there's also the Gulf War aspect, right? Unchecked aggression. That's what I'm saying. Like, the dude sees where this is going. Like, Walter's starting to get riled up, talking about Vietnam. Chinaman probably, like, tweaked him off in his brain. Like, anyone from, you know, Asia is probably, like, sending him off on a Vietnam tirade. So... It's right after line he says in line the sand, in the sand. See, the he's sand, like, like you might have in the Middle East. Sand. Right. The Middle East are like on the shores of uh, Ho Chi Minh City. You know, and the dude is like, oh, looks up out in the distance like, here we go again. You know, so it's a little hint at like, I've heard this speech before. I'm tired of it. But I, it's going to come. Here it comes. I mean, you see him do this? He's like, oh, jeez. He's pursing his lips. <laughs> he peed on the dude's rug. Like, you know, Donnie's just starting to catch up now. Like, no, wait a second. Someone peed on his rug. Like, this is serious business. Walter's like, we're so far past that. I'm already, like, making plans to, like, destroy these people. Don't you get it? Donnie, most normal person. Curious. Yeah. Well, and he was balling. Now, so there's an extra... You listening to the dude's story? <laughs> well, I was huh? balling. Were you listening to the dude's story? I was balling. <laughs> perfectly reasonable. Of course you were. It is perfectly reasonable, but... It's also perfectly reasonable to, like, be bowling and then come back and then ask for an update on what was going on. That's reasonable, too. Like, Donnie, for the most part, is a reasonable person. But Donnie was also, he was just so focused on his own strike. Right? Well, yeah, you are, He, he had though, no like, idea that really... Well, he the, did miss, you know, like, we, we see in the background in the previous minute the dude demonstrating how his head got dunked in the toilet. So maybe Donnie did miss, like, the most dramatic part of the dude. So maybe he didn't realize the full gravity of the situation, but... He does now, like he's starting to get it. And d so I sent you a link to. Yes, yes. Did you see it? Did I you saw watched it. that. I was, I was wondering. I was trying to find the right time to bring this up. Uh, and so that's from <clears throat> 1991. The commercial. Yes. And it, it, the reason I and okay, so it's a. We should describe what I'm talking well, about. So here, I'm gonna. I'll try to play it here. Yeah, just play it. In the middle of light is it. As in the leader. In the middle of other lights is it. Oh my. 
The great Pilsner taste keeps you ahead of it all. Miller Lite. It's it, and that's that. But the idea is, so one, okay, uh, it's a Miller Lite commercial from 1991. But it sounds like a Miller Lite commercial from 1961. Yeah, it's really blew my mind. That was I would say like that was a commercial from 1978 to 1982. Like 1985 maybe on the outside. But really it's 1991. Oh, it just I don't know about 85. I wouldn't put it that recent. Yeah. But it's well, from I 91. think again it has to do with just our perceptions and just we don't realize just like how stupid everything is. <laughs> yes, well <laughs> shit that stupid still passed. In, like, 1991, it was still passable. That's uh, granted, not the point, dude. The, You're missing the point. The point is, shit that stupid is passing right now. We're oblivious to it. We're oblivious. Well, the That's problem not is, that long ago. That's 20 that years ago. Shit that stupid is out there right now, but it's tearing to us because our minds are molded in the 80s and early 90s. Jeez. Right? That commercial is for people whose minds were molded in like the 60s and 70s, and so it appealed to them. That was their target audience. Are you saying that commercial that, was comforting and made sense to them? Are you saying that there are things you and I could watch, like on television or like new content on the web or on YouTube or somewhere? That we would look at and say, oh, that's great, that's awesome. And someone who is 10 to 20 years old would look at and just be like mortified that it exists. That is what I'm saying. That is frightening. <laughs> Very frightening. But do you think that that Miller Lite commercial was intentionally dated? Or did it seem like... So you're saying perception is reality based and there's no way to say if it was dated or modern at that time it was depends on your perception and what I don't think they set out to was. make a dated commercial. You don't think. I think maybe you know they had like okay here's like a commercial for like the MTV generation right would have been different. It would have had Spuds McKenzie or whatever and right. You know Adam this was Curry. for um older people. People that had a different set, right? They would see, like, you know, this commercial with young people frolicking on the beach, having Miller Lite. They just wouldn't appeal to They just wouldn't even understand, right? Maybe it has some, like, um, I, uh, music. I don't know who would be popular to put in there. Hall and Oates or something, right? I don't understand this newfangled Hall and Millie Oates Vanilli. Music. Millie Vanilli, even better, yeah. Like, what the... What the What's what a Milli Vanelli, right? Like you're. What did the there. rain ever do to you, man? So, yeah. So I think they 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 intentionally were like, okay, this is more like a safe. Even well, even now, right? So television, there are still these, for lack of a better word, like traditional sitcoms. I see them sometimes, like accidentally, like, and I'm like, this is something that people watch. Yeah, like people they, watch it. People still watch it. So, like, but there's still, those things are still geared to, like, young people. So, it's weird. But that's, yeah, so that's the not, thing. Because some people, like, 24 years old, like, watch that. And, like, oh, did you see the last episode of, oh, whatever. Like, yeah. what? Oh, did you see the last episode of, like, Stupid Charlie? Right. Man, Charlie's Man, so stupid. He was so it was stupid. Funny. No, but I, I know I know it sounds stupid. I know it sounds stupid. But in this episode he was even stupider than normal, you know? It's like that that stupid movie you see that stupid movie with uh 
Dax Shepard, where I don't even remember who it was, but he wakes up like 200 years in the future and it's like the president is some Rocky Balboa ripoff and it's like, I, I don't even want to talk about it. It's gross. Uh, let's move on. Are you I, talking I just, about idiocracy? Idiocracy, maybe. Rocky maybe. Dax Shepard was in that? Yeah. He's the guy that's there whose house gets... The guy comes into the house and wakes up in his home. And the president is like a Dax, is, yeah, Dax, is a Rocky Balboa ripoff. He's wearing, you know, he's like, ooh. President Camacho? See, it's, you, you know, you shouldn't know that. You know, you just shouldn't know it. Mike Judge, right? Yeah, I was, okay, Idiocracy. Yeah. I don't remember Dax Shepard being in there. He's the Luke guy. Wilson was the main. Yes, character. he was the, like the army dude who was like goes in the the time machine basically, yeah. but he blasts through the guy's house. He's like, <laughs> "Ow, my balls!" You know, he's watching. "Ow, my balls!" You okay. Know? He's like, oh, it's like he barely notices that somebody just blasted through his house. Right. He's so like stupefied. I just feel like that's... He has, like, the recliner. Like, it's not a good move. built in with just the... Right. ...head helmet full of popcorn butter. Right. <laughs> Please don't rush out to see this movie. It's not good. But It has some good movement. But it has moments. some good moments and, like, the and idea it has a good message. It, the message is frightening and elitism relevant. Right. And eugenics. And it's just... Yeah. But... But young people watch these... Like 1960s-esque sitcoms. I mean, you're so right. And again, maybe it just goes back to that, you know, the reason for doing a period piece where you can avoid falling into that trap maybe because the parameters have been defined. I don't know. Maybe it's just that. But. It's, yeah. But I this think bottom line commercial. it's all very complex. This whole perception of time, generation... Quality, modernism, modern, etc. It's yeah. very, it's much more complex than uh, than we can easily unravel here, and that I've been able to decode. But the, the only reason that came up, and I sent that link to that crazy ass Miller Lite commercial, is uh, Walter's holding this um, plastic cup of Miller Lite. Which I don't know why he's holding a plastic cup of Miller Lite. There's bottles. You're allowed to have bottles out there. Whatever. That's well, how they serve Miller Lite. Okay. All right. Right. I should know that. And they give you a plastic cup. Right. Because they don't want you dropping the glass bottle. Even sure, though they have bottles. Drop right. a bottle here. Yeah. Right. That's just a bottle. But yeah, I was looking at the Miller Lite logo and it just... It doesn't... Maybe the logo does look like that. Like it has some of that like sort of gothic like points here and there but it, it's different looking is it a little bit like if like if you got a miller light on draft in a plastic cup now it wouldn't look like that the and that's what but, i'm but saying the, like but the font the has similar characteristics of the font they're using now i have a miller light out i'm gonna get a, i have a can of miller light out here stand by so yeah it actually looks nothing like that, but there's little. Are you saying the elements. 1991 commercial looks nothing like what Walter has in his no, hand? No, no, not at all. It does. 
look exactly. I'm saying Miller Lite now looks nothing now. like that. Yes. That's the only thing that caused me to think about that. What no, about Miller Lite exactly in 1998, like that. though? That I could not find an example of that. Because how do you find a plant? I mean, I guess you can find them seven years later, I guess. And you know what? The differences are probably fairly subtle, but yeah. That's what made me think about that. But I just, thinking about that commercial being 20 years old when it seemed like it was 50 years old, it was very unsettling to me. Because on the flip side, then, I don't know if you remember these, I used to love them when I was in high school. The, like Miller Lite was not cool back then. That was like the lame beer. Yes. MGD was like, ooh, Miller, genuine draft. We have drafted this in such a pure manner. You've never seen anything like it. Miller Genuine Draft. And their commercials were so odd. Like, they'd use these classic rock songs, and they'd have these, like, outlandish scenarios. Like, the one where the men were hiking through the bayou in Louisiana, and they spy this cabin filled with scantily clad, beautiful women across this expanse of water. I'm going over there, the guy says. He steps into it, and an alligator comes up and bites his shoe, off, his boot off, you know? Well, how can we possibly get to these beautiful women? I've got it. I'm going to open up the bottle of MGD. That's slang for Miller Genuine Draft, which will freeze the bayou, and then we just walk across, and now we're on the other side with the beautiful women. And there was another one where... The man saw the beautiful woman on the beach, and he had a cowboy boot on, and he filled his cowboy boot up with water and poured a circle of water around the woman, and then all yes. of a sudden they were on a deserted island together. I remember that one. Yeah. And those, so I watched those, and those had elements of like datedness, but not bad. Like They were still pretty good for being like almost 20 years old, pr pretty good. But that they Miller Lite- They still somehow fit in. Yeah, but that Miller Lite one, not good. Right, <laughs> the music. The voiceover. Yeah. The, Do you the remember premise. this cartoon with, it was like this the, like white character with this giant, it was basically all pointy nose with like the feet, pointy feet. And it was like animated cartoon, like, this cartoon of them. that French somehow. I don't know if you remember this. Are you saying it was an actual cartoon or it, was it a commercial? No, an actual cartoon. Like, it's, I hate, it's a disturbing image to me. I, you know, I don't like things, certain things. This is one of the things I don't like. But for some reason that Miller Lite commercial with that voiceover and the music behind it reminds me of this weird, like, I don't want to say like Saul Bass type, but like with weird like orange background with this like just white giant pointy footed, very simply drawn giant nosed white cartoon guy. I, I don't know how else to describe it. Did you say Saul Bass, right? Yeah, sort of like that. 
There's elements of that, like just the weird, like abstract, simply drawn type character. And I don't know if he had anything to do with it, but it it's bassy. We'll, we'll leave it at that. It's bassy. And that's what that Miller Lite commercial reminded me of. And to think that came out in 91 and they thought that was okay, it's just not a good feeling to me. It's more death stalking, you know? It's coming. <laughs> well, the dude in the background is very nervous. Also, the Danny McBride looking fella. Like he's the, looking at the camera a couple of times there. Yeah, yeah, the dude with the crazy ponytail mm -hmm. that we talked about last time. The serious business the, up front. Right, the blue vest. Party in the rear. Uh, he can't stop I don't looking. think that's a vest, though. What is it? I think it's just a shirt that has, like, uh, red sleeves. It's just a weird coloring. Um, like, if you look at the... I mean, all the other guys, really? there's like three other guys back there wearing yeah, the same thing. Yeah, they're all similar. Thing. Oh, it's like a bowling shirt. Now, we did have a suggestion from a listener to, you know, go ahead and invest in the Blu-ray so that these resolution issues won't haunt yeah. us. Well, anymore. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm just not set up for that. Well, <laughs> let me go back. Well, I think you need to be. I think you just yeah. need to make it so that you are. You're right. I, I, that is a shirt with little red sleeves on it. I did purchase the HD version from iTunes. Well, then, you know, you still have the wireless connection to deal with. It does not... Well, no, I don't, because I can download it to my computer. Oh, all right. Okay. Well, but you should be good. It doesn't really look that different from watching it on Netflix. I think the Blu-ray is going to look But a lot you can different. control it really well. Well, see, that's the thing. The HD version has still been compressed with, like, what, H.264? Well, I guess the Blu-ray's been compressed, I just don't think too, there's but... a really good scan of this movie. Well, you know, maybe then with the Blu-ray, they remastered it or something, and that isn't on iTunes, because this has been on HD on iTunes since... I've researched this a little bit, and, you know, I... So, take what you want from like JPEGs on the web, but they do side by side business, and maybe it's more this. Ooh, look, you could look like this, but I've seen screen grabs from it, and it does look better if you get the Blu ray, from what I can tell. Better than what? The DVD? Better, well, obviously better than the DVD, obviously. but better than, I think, something that's been compressed for a download. Because the Blu-ray is go just going to literally have more information. It's going to be a bigger file. Like, you didn't yeah. download a 20-gig file, did you? It's probably two gigs, right? Gig and a half. I think it's six, but... Is it really six? Well, in the well, past, these so. few movies I've downloaded have been six. I don't know how Three much Three to four is. times as much information then. But, but yeah. Unless I mean, the compression is that right. much better. But I, I just think you're gonna, it's going to be better. I'm, I'm getting the Blu-ray. I'm going to make it... Yeah. But I just have to. That just means I need to get get a Blu-ray player and a television down here in my private studio. Bummer. That's a bummer, man. See? Bummer. That I just say things from movies. That's all I do. Darmok and Gelada Tanagra. I don't. I, I no longer know if you're speaking my language. So, one shot, we finally have our threesome, our triumvirate. Is that the right word, triumvirate? Is that what, does that mean what I think it means? 
Call it a trinity. I like that better. We'll call it the trinity. And, you know, and I'm at uh, 8 minutes 39 seconds, but our overweight African-American gentleman is back there again hanging out with the, the yes. blue shirts. Yes. He's still there. And they're in lane 21, if that means anything to anybody. And I assume the dude's bag is there. Walter's bag is to his left, and there's a bag in the between the dude and Walter. I assume that's Donnie's bag, but don't know. There's three bags, three people. Three bags, three people. So they at least they got that much right. <laughs> Hacks. A lot of them. Now, Steve Buscemi, Buscemi, Buscemi. How do you say it? I say Buscemi. Bashimi. Steve, wait. Steve Bashimi. Bashimi? Bashimi? Bashimi, maybe? Steve Bashimi. I said, let's say Bashimi. I got me thinking about it too much. Bashimi. Bashimi. Let's say Bashimi. Bashimi. I like Bashimi. Yeah. Well, he's all the bee's knees now, right? Like back then, he was known, but he was much more of like a. Character actor. Character actor, like indie kind of guy. Like, oh, yeah, he's in like some crazy movies, like this Coen Brothers. You know, he was in Fargo. That was probably maybe his big. I guess, but like, I think about him in the opposite way. Well, no, I guess that's true. He was in, uh, well, again, it wasn't a. I I think like a. uh, uh, Armageddon. He's in Armageddon. Well, was that in 98, right? Yeah, you're right. Um, but he I, wasn't like a lead or anything, right? But you're right, character actor. I was just thinking of uh, you Things know, to Mr. Do King. in Denver when what you're the hell dead. was that called? Reservoir, Reservoir Dogs. Dogs, Pulp Fiction. He was the waiter at uh, blah, 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 the diner that John Travolta and... What's her name go to? You know, he he's Buddy Holly. Yeah, he's Buddy Holly. The Buddy Holly. Oh, yeah, Buddy right. Holly. Right, 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 right. Yes, yes. I but, was thinking of the Honey Bunny... Place, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, no, Buddy no. Holly, right? Milkshake, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's $5 milkshake. There. But, um, yep. but now, like, first of all, he's ha- like haggard now, like, he's well, he's worn. Talk about again the death stocking. I mean, he's gotten that's the first thing because I'm so used to seeing him because his uh, boardwalk empire is all the bee's knees, and he's I'll so use that phrase again, old now, though. And I'm just used to seeing him like that. And seeing him here when I first got to this and saw him roll a strike, I was like, wow, he's like young. Like, does 14 years really he inflict so that much... much damage on somebody? Like, is he coking it up or like what? Like, man, he looks bad. In Boardwalk Empire, compared to this, but what I was gonna say is, like back in early '90s, mid '90s, late '90s, he was in a bunch of like there was a nice string of movies he was in that I consider some of my favorites: Trees Lounge, Living in Oblivion. Yes, and he was leads in both of those. Yes, some of my small-time indie movies. Small-time indie movies, but awesome flicks. Trees. Lounge, he directed. He directed that was his directorial that. debut. Yes. As I recall. And the least known Baldwin was in it. Yes. Great movie. It was a, a good movie. Not that right now I can really remember much of it. I know he had an ice cream truck. Oh, but, it's uh, a great, great I movie. Remember, uh, Chloe I remember, said, I remember said watching it many, many times in college. Many times. Like, it was all, yeah. one of the default ones to go to. Yeah. And it now was, he's turned into more like. 
I don't know, some kind of major player. And in some way, that's disappointing. Like, I guess he used to have... He like, earned it. He earned it, but he used to be in more like real things, quote-unquote real things. And now well... It's like in the big time, you know, but good for him, you know, good for him. You never would have thought it, looking at him. I don't understand what's really happening in this film. I still don't really understand it. I mean, I understand I love it. I understand that it's funny and quirky and kind of profound in places also. But I don't... I've... It's like we need to give this the super pretentious narrative breakdown. How does, you know... Camera relate to story. Plot. Oh Lord! You know we need like a quiz where there's like a part A through N. We have to give ourselves that quiz. Question one. Parts A through N. Question you know, two. A maybe, through P. Maybe the problem is we we don't give ourselves that quiz. Maybe we ask someone else to give us give us that quiz. Yeah, it could someone be. who actually knows something. You know. But, you know, the the struggle, it's really, you know, it's about the journey, not about the destination. The fact that we're struggling with this is really, makes us awesome. We're, well, we're, we're fucking cool, Adam. We rock. <laughs> if you say so, man. I think you said it in the first episode. It stuck in my brain hole. We will probably miss the forest for the trees, you said. And I think that's part of what we're doing right now. Yeah, it's part of what's happening. But I think we can work on trying to bring that in. We're aware of that. Well, at least I we're mean, aware it, of going it. Going minute by minute, it's hard to do. At it the same is. Time. It is. Because like, I keep referencing forward and back. and like, Should I not do that? Should I not talk about stuff? No, I think that's like, perfectly okay, fine. Right? The, the only rule is there really is no rules. <laughs> right. It's that simple. You got to do what you got to do to get it done. That's yeah. been my philosophy. I did get a, uh, we did get a uh, restraint an, order, an, a wholehearted endorsement, and a restraint order. Cease and desist. <laughs> well, that's yes. I mean, we can only hope that we can get one of those. Par for the course. That's how you know that we've arrived. Right. What's the thing where? Like if you were gonna be like a a pirate and you were gonna like lay out or like be near the wheel that steers the thing and you're gonna be standing above the cabin on a raised elevated nest. No, it's slower than that. It's it's like a platform above Frank. the main court. Now it's on the main part of the ship, but it's a poop a deck. Oh, that. Next time on Gutter Balls. That rug really tied the room together, did it not? Fucking A. Perfect doubles, dressed the same, walking. There were three of them. The, the, the two, uh, it was like a, the world's worst double mint gum commercial.